Hello and welcome to another episode of SNI Rap Chat. Um, we hope everyone's doing okay out there and that uh, projects are starting to maybe get geared up again and people are looking at different ways that they might be able to get back shooting. Um, yeah, we hope that there's a bit of life coming back into the industry. Uh, we'll keep an eye on it uh, and hopefully we'll all be able to get back working very soon. Um, keep in touch with uh, the guys at SNI. Uh, keep an eye on the social media for the various SNI at home. Um, still very much going to be happening over the ne- over the coming weeks. Um, yeah, one of the nice things uh, about this is we've been able to uh, have conversations with people that are often so busy, and DOPs are probably the hardest people to get on the show so it's really nice uh, when we can um so it was brilliant to have Cahill Waters uh one of the busiest DOPs in the country and if you look at, at his body of work uh, so much so many amazing projects um and you can see him working with a lot of the same directors uh, repeatedly um so the likes of David Caffrey on um Peaky Blinders and other projects and Dahi Keen and Klondike and Finky. Um yeah, so uh really good chat with him. Unfortunately, uh <laughs> technical issues, Paul dropped out uh somewhere um in the middle of the, the conversation. So it's it's just me and Kyle for uh, a large chunk of it. Um but yeah, it's a really nice conversation. Uh on that um we have had a really nice chat with uh DOP Kate McCulloch. And she is going to be uh, on next week's episode, so keep an ear out for that one. Um, But for now, let's go to this really, really great conversation with Cahill Waters. Cahill Waters, how are you doing, man? Hey, good, good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was very strange times. How are you managing with it all? Did you have to stop a gig in the middle of it, or where are you at? Yeah, I was on a production um, for RTE and BBC um, with Treasure Entertainment. We were down in La Hinch, and it's a kind of a murder mystery. Um, somebody dies, and you spend the six hours looking to see who, who, who did it. So uh, we were five weeks in and then obviously the rug got pulled out from underneath us and we're just waiting to go back now. So um, Dahi Keane was the director. So kind of, uh, yeah, I'm in touch with him. And, you know, we're all dying to go back, all the actors. I was talking to Rob Walpole there, the producer, and he was saying that the actors are dying to go back. I know the crew are dying to go back. I know Graham Scully, the, the focus puller, he never left La Hinge. <laughs> so, He's still there. <laughs> we left him behind. <laughs> so I, I think you're the first person we've had on who was kind of mid-shoot. Um, so what's the logistics of putting something back together? Yeah, well, look, at I mean, I, I don't know. I'm kind of guessing as much as you guys. Um, like, I'm looking at the news the whole time and trying to get um, get a handle on different things and, I know an article came out a couple of weeks ago. I think somebody in the BBC said it and people grabbed onto it. They were talking about, you know, crews isolating to finish projects and that sort of thing. 
I mean, in a weird sort of way, we're in the perfect position to do that if we wanted to be a test case because we had commandeered the hotel down in La Hinge, um, the La Hinge Hotel. All the crew were there, a lot of the actors. And, you know, I guess, look, we could do that if we had to. Um, there are only a couple of scenes left where we need crowd scenes and chatting to Dahi and Rob, you know, we're kind of talking about, look, we can do plates, we can work around it. I mean, everybody's looking for a solution, but who knows, you know? Yeah, it's such a bizarre time. Um, your camera will never be cleaner anyway. No, it's very cute. You know, it's kind of weird. I'm kind of taking it out going, oh, look at that, you know. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I bought a bit of gear last year, wheels, which are kind of traditionally used. Uh, they've been in use for a long time to, to control the, the camera, you know, and remote mm -hmm. heads. So um, I bought a set last year, and I, I'm really bad at it. So I kind of take it out now and practice for an hour a day. So it kind of keeps mm -hmm. me... Um, Keeps me semi in touch with. with is it is it a case of that where it's very much kind of like a golf swing kind of thing where you have to you know. Yeah. Pra it, practice it. Yeah, it, it, that's it exactly. You've got two wheels. One is left. One is right. One is up. One is down. Sounds very simple, but my God, you know, even following the lines of the kitchen table, it's like disaster. <laughs> but look at it. I mean, it it only kind of keeps me sane from kind of homeschooling and, you know, it's a great excuse to get out of some homeschooling for an hour. Is, is there oh, anything yeah. else that DOPs can do with a bit of downtime, maybe even well, just looking up? Stuff? Yeah, I have the cleanest shed <laughs> known to any DOP. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like at the moment, there's, there's incredible, no more than what you guys are doing, you know, like, I mean, you know, I wouldn't be here if, if it wasn't COVID-19, not that that would be a big loss, but, you know, there, there are loads, like, um, loads of DPs are giving um, talks um, all across the platform. I know Laurie Rose, um, BSE, he's kind of, for the BSE, he's, he's um, how would you say, facilitating all of these talks. And he set out, you know, he asked anybody else all around the world, you know, are there these talks going on with industry professionals? And there's hundreds of them. So he put oh, up. Yeah. So like, it's fascinating to dip in and out of these, you know, and, you know. Well, every, every, every cloud has a silver lining. It is very much a case of, I mean, a lot of the time when we're trying to organize classes or even sometimes in terms of trying to get someone on the podcast, it's like, Jesus, I'd love to get involved, but I'm so busy, you know? So if, if anything, it, it's a wonderful, in a way, schedule clearer for people to help out and kind of give advice and give give that time that they would like to give to others kind of now yeah, you know no, sure well i'm getting a lot from listening to these i mean there's roger deakins talking with his grip you know about how they did this and that yeah you know and very candid and i think people aren't rushing off you know it's like i i, I haven't i'm not on a timetable i'm delighted i'm like wow you know this is you know, and I think everybody's the same way. It's time to kind of sit back and look at things. I mean, it's a horrendous situation. And I think, you know, we all need to try and make the most of it. Um, and, you know, you know, I'm lucky enough it hasn't touched me in, in, you know, sickness or anything like that. So it's, you know, I'm... Well, you're I'm, a very busy DOP, obviously, uh, stands to your, the quality of your work. Is there is there sometimes a case that you get kind of get on a treadmill and you can't really turn down work when it's offered, or how 
what stage are you at now? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, look, it's it's kind of weird. You know, I spent, you know, nearly 20 years shooting documentaries. And then, uh, like, I, I shot my first feature film, my kind of first foray into kind of, let's say, serious drama after short films was, you know, my first feature film. It's only six years ago, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's been kind of, like, crazy. Um, and, like, I find it very difficult to turn down stuff. Probably, you know... Because even if I'm not mad about the script, I kind of go, well, you know, how can I make myself, you know, make myself feel the script and go on? So, like, I'm not in the position where I'm getting, you know, refusing because, oh, I hate the script. I, to be honest, I did that once or twice last year. I said, no, I just really don't want to do this. And it, w- it was very empowering. It was like, wow, am I at that stage? It was nearly like, you know, I'd reached another stage. and was like, oh, cool, great. That's, that's good, like, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe the stuff I do choose is going to be better for me or whatever. But, um, yeah, look at I mean I, I do I I must say I do get I, I'm really fortunate to get a lot of offers and you know offers usually start off by you know an availability check which you know I'm either there or not there and then it's an interview process which is another stage and then I might get it or I don't get it. So like the thing is it's not a case saying you know for. for say February this year, you know, and, and I say this feeling very fortunate, like I, I would have refused seven offers. Now those offers might only have been, you know, are you around or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think a couple of them were offers, a couple of them weren't, but I committed to smother the, the project down the hinge, which, you know, I was delighted about, but, you know, you kind of mm-hmm. have to come to terms with it and kind of, you know, I got yeah, there's no there's no there's no arrogance in not in not feeling something or, not, or or equally not being available for it. I mean, isn't that isn't that the point? Everybody wants to get to where their kind of their senses are guiding them in the right directions to go. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, and I think like I'm very much guided if you know people I've worked with before that there's a shorthand there that there's some sort of connection with. I mean, that's paramount. You know that it's like it takes all the kind of getting to know each other on set and all of that takes that out of there. And it's just like, you know, we've done this before. So now how can we approach this subject matter differently and how can we do something different, you know? Yeah, yeah. Touching on that, um, you work with a lot of your, of the same directors. Um, could you just talk about like relationships with directors and cinematographers and how, how you work with different people? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, look, at I mean, I would say, you know, first and foremost, what I 100% believe, I'm there to give the director what he or she wants. It's like, it's it's not my, you know, this is not my thing. This is their thing. And I'm there to help them. Um, and different, you know, different, different directors want different things at different times, diff- you know. And, like, that's what's really interesting about it because, it, it, you know, some people want a lot of in prep and, you know, want everything planned out. And some people want, you know, uh, you know, want to feel a bit more kinetic and it's a, it's a bit more make it up as we go along, which I'm very happy to do with. Like, say, you know, I, I've i done two films with uh, Paddy, Paddy Brannock. Um, I did Viva and I, I did um, Rosie. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know... Lovely, lovely, lovely pieces of work, by the way. Just Rosie... Yeah. Uh, just lovely yeah. stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, that's um, bizarrely. I was actually chatting to Paddy today. Um, I, I, I 
I, I recently rewatched Rosie, and like nothing, no kind of backslapping for me now. But I just think it's a stunning film. Like just for film's sake, and you know, trying to, you know, get inside the performances are stunning. Everything about it, and like for me, looking at that, it's like you know, this it looks like a haphazard film, nearly documentary, but it's probably the most planned shoot in terms of shots and where we would use different things and all of that. So. But you cannot see the mechanics of it in the film. And <laughs> well, a lot, I'd imagine a lot, a lot of the shots on the shot list said exterior car, you know? How do you... <laughs> interior car, interior car, jeez. Yeah, yeah. And I still are the same. But I think, look, at like, I mean, working with Paddy, you know, like he, like, you know, I just continue to be in awe of the man. He's, he's just incredible. Um, and... You know, making Rosie, we were so methodical beforehand. And when we came to the shoot, like we're still open for ideas, but we know very much where we're going with it. Um, mm -hmm. And I work a lot with um, Dave, David Caffrey. I did um, Peaky Blinders with him. And then I, I, I just did a, a series over in Budapest, the second season of The Alienist called Angel Darkness. And myself and David are, you know, the great relationship. We kind of work in the sense that Right, we know what this is going to be. We pick different things and we um, we plan those, but a lot of it is kind of left up to how we feel at the time, or you know, it's much more uh, fluid, shall we say? Which is great sometimes, and then other times it's like, oh, we should have thought about that a bit more. But but it, it works for us because we kind of um, uh, you know we get a good kick out of bouncing ideas off each other, you know. Say so if you're say if you're working on you're working on something. Um, which is a, a bit, a, you know, a, a bigger, bigger in scale in terms and kind of, you know, a bit of a juggernaut. Um, would you tend to like? Would you use boards and and use shot lists, or would it be like you said, a kind of right there, there and then it's kind of painting by numbers? Let's get through this because it's such a, yeah. you know, such a large thing. Yeah, I mean, like say last year, the the Angel of Darkness that I did with um, David, like we. Like that was eight hours and by far the biggest budget I'd ever worked with. It was like, you know, a hundred million um, um, for eight hours. So it was like insane, you know, nearly 10 million an episode, just ridiculous or so. But it's, you know, it's like New York City streets and it's massive blue screen and it's all that. But so we had a massive big backlot, but, you know, we could only shoot certain parts of the street because they would be dressed one way and dressed the other. And then we would have to have, you know, we might have like, you know, 200 foot long blue screen. That's like, a you know, 80 foot high. It was like insane sort of scale stuff. <laughs> so for, for all that, you know, you have to know exactly what you're going to do and make, have decisions made, you know, have all the blue screens in place, all of that, because, you know, to move one blue screen, from there, actually, no, I want it there, you yeah. know, 40 minutes that, you know. Is that intimidating? Oh, massively, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, being honest, I went over to that um, uh, and I was just, you know, half of me was thinking, well, more than half. I, I just thought I was going to be fired, that I wouldn't be able to handle it. But, Jesus. like, you know, 400 crew and the books and there's so many people and everything and, but at the end of the day, it's like a lens, cameras, actors, you're telling a story, how best can you tell that? It's just, 
it just so happens that, you know, if I want to block the sun out of that street, I can because I have like <laughs> six machines with massive flags on them. That's, there's, there's a driver in each machine. There's, you know, so like the scale is great, but you're still under the same sort of time pressure. You know, you can have whatever resources you want. You can, you know, have everything, but then you've two hours to shoot the shoot the scene. It's like, you know, you better make sure you get it within those, you know, two hours. It's the uh, so, so, the, so the old imposter syndrome doesn't go away, does it? No, it never goes away. And even me now talking to you, and it's like, and, you know, it's kind of like reverse ego because me saying, oh, why would you want to talk to me? It's like, oh, there's my ego saying, why would you want to talk to me? But it's actually true. Like, I'm going like, like, I go on to a set and I'm going, Jesus, like, I feel like the trainee. I feel like I feel such a wonder and sense of, oh, go, Jesus, look at this. And like, to be honest, I'm quite happy going, this is all mad. You know, like, and I, I constantly, uh, you know, look at Graham going, this is just mad. <laughs> what are we doing here? Yeah, it's just mad. Like, and I think it's just trust. It's like producers having a bit of trust, having a bit of faith in you, you know, or or directors feeling, you know, they've trust and faith in you and whatever. I think um, I, 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 now, not not that I've been on a, a set a set that big, but I imagine it's the first day of school again, isn't it? Every single time, and then okay, now we're in, and I found my mates, and let's have <laughs> let's have the crack down the back of the class kind of thing, and still get the work done kind of thing. Yeah, like like is is it? Yeah, it is to a certain degree. I mean, look, it's doing that sort of thing. I think you know my job is broken up into different things. It's a lot of it is communicating to people and. Mm -hmm. No more than, you know, a director wants to get the best out of me. I want to get the best out of the gaffer, out of the grip, out of the, you know, A camera operator, B camera operator. You know, mm. I, I think that's that's key, like being able to get the most out of all these people. Because no matter who turns up on a film set, you know, it, it's quite, you know, you're giving an awful lot of yourself. The hours are very long. A lot of people are away from home. Everybody wants to do a good job. Everybody. And I mean, I think, like, I just want to get the best out of everybody and then, you know, take all the credit. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, you, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so much goes into all of this. I mean, the first thing, you know, the production designer, it's get a relationship there, make sure you're all seeing, you know, and, you know, you compromise with your ideas because not everybody sees it the same way. And I'm very open to seeing it, how other people see it. But then again, you, you, you need to voice up when you have an opinion and hopefully they'll listen as you've listened to them. And then it, it's a case of when you've got this kind of symbiosis of everybody working together, you get something very special. And, you know, um, but, you know, like working on massive big things. And then I look at Rosie and because I was only looking at it recently, as I said, and I'm looking at Rosie going, Jesus. I mean, and I said to Patty, and I have to call him. Sorry, now this is probably uh, like I call her. I just said, you know, like looking at Rosie, not for anything I did, but looking at Rosie is exactly the reason I got into this business. Yeah, stepping outside of it and looking at it, looking at it and appreciating it for what it is, in terms of the zeitgeist and what it was for that time and the political statement it was making as well, I think yeah. it's a really, really valuable film. Yeah, yeah, and like, you know, you've Rolly Doyle, who's an absolute legend and everything he's done, I just think, you know, to, to, to work with him, that's the kind of stuff of dreams. And Paddy, you know, I mean, I know I go on a bit, but like, it is, that's... <laughs> That's just an incredible, I, I just think it's an incredible piece of film, but not, not just a film that's saying something to the Irish psyche, but I just think it's a universal cinematic storytelling in an hour and a half where you're completely 
um, you know, moved by the performances, by the story, and Paddy's direction. And look at Grand, I'll, you know, the, the bits and pieces that I put into it. But you know, any, anyway, that's that's kind of it. So you know, you've got the big budget, and they've got the tiny budget, and. Like, it's mm. such a privilege to be in this position. Like, I just think I've got the best job in the world, you know? No, um, no, very much so. You, you touched um, on there just talking sorry, about... Sorry, Paul, go ahead. ...with uh, the other um, departments. So you mentioned just, you know, striking up relationship with the designer or whoever it might be. Um, maybe talk a little bit more about that because sometimes there can be maybe a little bit of a divide there. Yeah. No, I, I, absolutely. And I think... You know, say DOP director. Well, hopefully, director, but not often the case. And the designer, they're very, very visual people. They can see the film in their head. Like I read a script, I read a script a second time, I see the film in my head. That's it. And then now I'm very open to different things, um, and and one has to be. And I'm very open to going. Well, I remember a thing from this film. I'm going to use that here. It's not like I'm not copying. I am, of course, you know, but. I think um, to have a relationship with it, a, a designer just makes my life much easier. So say, for example, um, say last year, um, Ruth Amon, she was the designer um, on Angel of Darkness. And you can imagine the sort of level of detail they were going to. Um, or like we're going into meetings and it's like I'm looking at, you know, I asked to see all of the, the lights that they had, you know, designed and sourced and that were going into the different... Um, sets because that's fundamentally how I'm going to light the set. So, you know, if if I saw something that was problematic, it's just making that. I'm not necessarily looking at it from a design point of view. If I if I did if I was, I would say that in a very kind of, you know what, it's not really my thing. But what about this? But I'd want to make sure I'd have a very good, uh, <laughs> you know, relationship at that stage. But what I'm looking at is how it's going to affect my lighting, how it's going to help me, hinder me, or possibly challenge me in a way that I wouldn't necessarily put that in. But now that it's in, how do I deal with it? So it's that, and then it's colors. Um, they're the most things that I'm looking at. It's not necessarily design. Obviously, you know, when we go in and we're wrecking in locations, like often, if it's a place that I can't get a lamp outside on a genie, genie boom, 100 and 100 feet, 120 feet up, I will put down my foot and kind of kind of go, you know, look at guys, is there no place else? Can we keep looking? You know, um, but again, it's give and take as well. Um, it's making sure they're involved in how I'm going to shoot it or how I'm going to see it. Or again, as we were talking about earlier, you know, if I do storyboards on the big gigs, it's making them involved in it and getting their input as well. I mean, you know, often... They've more experience than me, and you know it's just like, this is you know what do you think of this? How can we do that? And often when you involve people, it challenges people, and they they want to challenge themselves as well. And like Angel of Darkness, it was that type of thing where I could go to Ruth and we would have our own little meetings where we kind of plot the best way to do this, or you know how can we make this work. Sometimes, you know, the colours didn't work for me or whatever it was. And sometimes I wouldn't like a colour and then I'd win and I'd have to deal with it. And as I was saying, it, it kind of challenged me and it ended up that it, actually that's really good. You know, it, it worked better than the way I would have gone. 
with it, you know? But um, anyway, am I, I don't know if I'm making any sense. But yeah, relationships are key. No, that's great. Um, maybe just go back and how you first got into uh, making stuff. Sure. Um, well, uh, very briefly, I, like uh, when I was growing up, like say before I went to sex school, I my brother was a professional photographer. He, he used to shoot for the Irish Times and the Meat Chronicle and everything. And um, I was around twelve, and like he had a dark room at the back, and he was developing his own prints and all that sort of thing. So. I developed an interest in photography there and I started taking photographs and developing them myself. And then I went to school and then I went into college. I did drama, theater and drama in, in Trinity College in Dublin. And um, as part of kind of like my end career, like I wrote a feature film that was horrendous. Um, I, I, I shot a short film, you know, my thesis was on Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. So it was all film based. And then after I, I did that, I, um, TG Carroll was starting up in 1997 and I got a, a, a job, I just wanted to shoot. So I got a job shooting news with them. Then eventually that led to, you know, doing uh, documentaries and I shot documentaries for years and just, just kind of normal TV stuff and then started getting into, started doing um, music videos, I, I try and do as many music videos as I could and short films and then that got me into doing features and then you know it was very difficult to get your first feature I remember waiting for two months um, on actually Rob, Rob Walpole to, to call me, the producer, to say the film board were happy that I would shoot a film and that's six years ago Okay, it's not that long ago you know, so I've I've been extremely lucky and to get gigs and you know be in the right place the right time or you know that's so anyway sorry that's um does that make any sense? No oh, no that's that's brilliant um and like did you I guess documentaries are a great way to cut your teeth as a as someone shooting and there's like there's a lot being made did you take anything? from your time shooting those into shooting drama and shooting features? Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Like, I mean, I would say kind of a lot of my favorite, say like, you know, for example, the, the films I did with Paddy, which is uh, Viva and Rosie, they're very reactive to the the actors, you know, and um, even so much so one of my favorite sequences and Rosie is actually, well, I don't want to ruin it on people, but it's basically you know, th- these people through victims of their circumstance, they, they, they've no place to stay and they end up visiting the old um, the old home through one thing or another. And one of the boys runs around into the, the back where there's a trampoline. So it kind of reminds him of what once was, you know, and his, his former life and all that sort of thing. So you can imagine it's very, um, uh, very emotional, but like myself and Paddy were there and we we're going, okay, let's not rehearse this. So, you know, everyone knew and um, Sarah was there, who was playing Rosie. Um, uh, you know, we went, we didn't rehearse it. And it was just like, right, she goes into the back and let's just see what happens. And it, we just shot it. So we shot it the first time as if we would never, we wouldn't do it again. No, I think we ended up doing three takes but we never rehearsed it. We didn't do it. And that's all kind of coming from documentary and it's muscle memory and it's reacting to the actors and all of that sort of thing. And, you know, you can do that on other things. I remember, 
you know, do, doing a sequence with um, uh, uh, um, Killian Murphy and Piggy Blinders, and like he gets drunk and he goes a bit kind of mad, and we're just there, and it was like the first day. He was okay. Let's rehearse this, and I kind of looked to David and I looked at Killian. I said, "Look, at, you know, do you mind if we just don't rehearse it? Can we just shoot it?" So then it was all checks and this and that. And like we came out with something very organic and I have this term organic and dynamic, something which it's tongue in cheek is completely yeah. from the Mickey, but <laughs> it's like it's sort of thing, you know, I'm reacting to that. I'm not, I don't know they're doing that. So you get this sort of energy with the camera. And I think that translates into how people view it and how people see it and how people experience it so that you feel. And, and in the end, the whole you know, at the end, what you want is a truth from the actor. That's all they want to give you. And I think, you know, by me not rehearsing and just being able to react and do things like that. And um, now, obviously, you know, I have lights positioned. I know where I'm going to be. I know where I'm not going to be, where it's not going to look good. That's the selfish um, place of me. But it, it it is all to do with trying to get a truth out and knowing that, I have to react to them. And actors love that. Actors love, you know, just do whatever you like. And often, you know, I'll say to Graham, listen, uh, let's not have marks here. And the beauty about Graham, who's a focus puller, um, you know, let's not have marks here. Let's just be a little freer with this. So yeah. we kind of react to what's happening. And I think you get a bit more truth with that rather than it being all very staged and static and all of that. So, yeah. Um, one of the things that's striking about some of the stuff that you've worked on, especially with Dahi Keen, who we've had on the show, uh, we kind of talked about the work, like, say, Klondike, when that came out, and, you know, it was amazing what you guys achieved on such a low budget. Um, and again, kind of with Finky, that kind of really cinematic style. Maybe just talk about how you can do that on, on such a small budget. Yeah. Well, I think... Like, you know, working with Dahi, um, like, number one, he's one of the nicest guys on the planet. Like, yeah. he's actually too nice. I'm, I, I, I'm always expecting him to take off his rubber mask. It's, it's actually me, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's such a nice guy. But, like, Dahi could not be more prepared going into a shoot. Like, okay. it's, it's just bloody incredible. Like, um, but having said that, he's so open to what... Um, say for example Mark, Mark Kelly the designer who's brilliant I've worked with him so many times uh, you know he was on Finky like he's very open to what Mark can bring to the table he's very open what I can bring to the table so he has his plan and he has a process so you know in scenes where we need to there's like you know an ensemble cast we need to get through it quickly Dahi comes in with a map this is where everybody's standing this is where they go with that line and all of that He's incredibly, incredibly um, prepared. And I think that enables us to spend more time doing, say, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe cinematic shots, maybe, um, or, okay. you know, spending more time. But anyway, yeah, so that's, and Dahi is actually doing the, the production that's just been paused. So, you know, it's super to be working with him again. Yeah. I'm on an English language one for a change. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how's it. your Irish, or how do you find working? Uh, my Irish is actually very good because I did. Uh, sorry, I did uh, theatre and drama and Irish in college. Okay. Uh, and then I did a H dip in Irish, so I'm actually an Irish teacher, which is kind of bizarre. Oh wow! 
<laughs> not that I, I've never taught, no. <laughs> but it's there as a backup, as they say. It is there. But yeah, no, I, I, I use Irish a lot. Um, I, I speak Irish an awful lot. Uh, very important to me. So, uh, you know. That's great. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm learn. I'm going back learning and I'm studying for my TEG at the moment. Oh, good. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing doing a few things for TG Car, so uh, kind of important. I, it's still it's there, but I just I'd like it to be better, you know. Yeah, well, look, I mean, it's such it's our cultural identity that should be embraced, you know. I mean, you know, it's great with the the new Cine Four now. That's how it's a scheme that the um, Screen Ireland and, and TG Car came up with, and you know, it's great they're doing features in Ireland, and it goes out to it. Um, you know, an international audience. I know Arect, which I've yet to see. I'm dying to see it. Yeah. And um, I believe it's amazing. And, um, you know, it's go- It's going out to an international audience in our native language. It's just brilliant. It's, you know, yeah, we should yeah. embrace it. We should have more of it. And foreign people love it. I, I did a short, uh, Stuma, which is an Irish language one. And uh, especially in America, they just love hearing it. It's so unusual for them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's, you know, I guess, uh, oh, sorry, this is just as an aside, uh, Klondike is on Netflix, and I excitedly one time said, oh, let's have a look at this, Klondike. Yeah. Um, and I, I shot season two now, Colm Home did an amazing job in season one, but, yeah. um, you know, uh, so I plugged in, and they redubbed, it's half Irish and half English, because it's about three brothers who obviously speak Irish together from, from Connemara, going over to the Klondike in, in Canada. Yeah. And they dubbed it into English and you're just going, oh, like, yeah. It's Dominion Creek, I think it is on Netflix. Yeah, Dominion yeah. You know, so it's, whereas, you know, Narcos, they're not dubbing the Spanish there, no. you know? It's no. like, and I know Dahi feels the same way. I mean, that's just wrong. It's like, you know, the whole idea that they're speaking a different language is the point, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I don't think Dahi had, a, had a, any uh, choice there. Yeah, um, we had John Butler on the show around the time I think Papatulo was just finished, and um, one of the things that he talked about was uh, the difference there was keeping light out of the camera. Say shooting in LA, it was just, here you're trying to get light into the camera. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean that was my first feature in LA. Okay, and I'd shot documentaries and TV bits over there a good few times, but. Um, like the the one thing you you can actually rely on the sun. So we've yeah. got apps. You know anybody can get the app on the phone and you can you can see where the sun's going to be at a particular time. So I was able to actually light with the sun, which was just incredible. Yeah. But then obviously when you know you wanted a bit moody or whatever, it was all about taking the taking the light away, taking the sun away. You know, um, but John wanted that sort of a bit of a dreamy look, a bit of a that, and we use the sun as being a bit of an oppressor to the main actor, Matt Bomber, to the idea that he was under pressure through grief, et cetera, et cetera, that, you know, that this sun was, you know, beating down on him. Um, so we used that and we used flair and all of that sort of thing. So that was, that's where, you know, John came to me with the concept of this idea and, you know, I was able to try and work, that was really something great to be able to work with so like i was putting little mirrors and in the shots and you know shining lights into them so it would flare up the camera at a certain point in the shot and that sort of thing and i mean you know it it might be a little bit tricksy but then when you look at the film you don't notice it that much but 
there is a feeling of, you know, it being oppressive, you know, but uh, again, John, like I'm very lucky, like John is just, he, he's a good friend and he, he's just brilliant at what he does. And, you know, again, working with John, that's, that's different because he's, he's a writer and he's a director. So he knows the story more than anybody else. And a lot of his stories, I've, I've done Handsome Devil with John um, and I've done um, Pappy. Um, and like he knows the stories much more than anyone else ever can. So yeah. it's, it's really good that way that any questions are immediately answered. And he, he knows this is the feeling, this is what I want from that. So again, that takes a level of interpretation out of the process whereby, you know, we move on to different ways. Okay, how can we tell that story with the camera? Rather than trying to interpret, well, what does the writer really mean in this scene? Jesus, I talk an awful lot of crap. Sorry. No, 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 no. That's, no, I totally know what you mean, um, having a writer-director. Yeah. On, on, um, and with that film, it was a bit of a kind of, we talked about what makes an Irish film, and that was an all-Irish crew shooting shooting in LA was a kind of something similar with Viva and, um, you know, what, what, like, how is like, how, how different is it kind of making these films, um, that maybe necessarily might, mightn't seem like Irish films and, um, you know, in Cuba, what's it like kind of landing in, <laughs> not knowing the place? Well, I mean, look at, I mean, I guess the broader question, what is an Irish film? I mean, is it a, a story told by an Irish person? Yeah. Who's an Irish person? What's an Irish person? Thankfully, it's very wide and spread and multi-dimensional now. Yeah. But like, if they're from, you know, if they're an Irish person, whatever that is, telling a story, I guess that's an Irish film. I mean, you know, like bizarrely, Viva went up, not bizarrely, um, but it got to the final nine of the best um, foreign language film as the Irish entry into the uh, into the Academy Awards. So it got like to the final nine, um, out of which five were picked. But it yeah. was the Irish entry as an Irish film, you know. And it's very much an Irish film. It's written by Mark O'Halloran, who's very Irish, by Paddy, uh, directed by Paddy, produced by Rob and Rebecca, you know, so like, it's very much an Irish film just based over there. It was based on a time that, you know, Paddy and Rob went over after I went down, went over there on holidays and saw all of this going on, this other world of drag queens and that and kind of put the idea into their heads. We must do something about this. So like, that's very much an Irish film. Um, and then, you know, working in LA, John's story, you know, Pappy is a very personal story to John, who lived in LA for many years and is always dipping his toe in and out of the water over there. And, you know, so so they're very Irish films over there. But and I think it's 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 brilliant, you know, a handful of Irish crew can go to a foreign country and you know uh, maybe this isn't a little bit of nepotism, but like we all fit in. It's all a case of right, you know. We used as many foreign crew, you know, well, local crew as we could, we, you know, and that was it. And that was the same as Papi and Viva, you know, um, and and I think that that was really good. And, you know, with loads of local crew and that, I think that's very important. I wouldn't like to be a part of a crew that just goes in and kind of takes it all over. But, I, you know, 
through various financial reasons, that's never going to happen. So you're always going to have local crew. So it's it's going to be that sort of um, group effort. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think it's great. I think it's a it's a real departure that's come in the last few years that yeah. probably wouldn't have happened before. And I just feel like the industry here is a lot more outward looking in a in a kind of a productive way. It's we're kind of looking out to the world and seeing what kind of projects will appeal without kind of maybe in the 90s there was more of a tendency of what will play in America, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, look, we've enough Begob and Begara films. Like, we, <laughs> it's like, geez, we've moved on from that. You know, yeah. and, you know, and maybe there's a case of having a bit of that still for the old, for the crack, you know. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think, you know, audiences all over the world were, were so much more open to things but we expect so much more i think audiences now expect you know different things it's it's no big wonder for an irish film to be shooting in la and this is our story and this is our film going over there i don't think people mind that's it you know yeah and well cuba it's such a photogenic place where you're just like a kid in a candy store yeah yeah no i was like and i mean again you know that was my second film and you know uh, going over there was like it is just stunning and the light is incredible but bizarrely like you know we kind of made up a rule book myself and Paddy um, and like it was like we're not going to see any of the machinas which are the old cars that are there plenty you know um, we're not going to see them because they're the stereotypical view I think there's one or two shots there's two shots right a machina so it was like that was suddenly, it was like, you know, taking out half the place. We can't shoot any of those cars. Right. So, you know, whereas we had to find our own sort of language in the film that was Cuba. It wasn't necessarily what was there on our doorstep. So Not tourist Cuba. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. tourist Cuba, you know. Yeah. So it, it, it was definitely um, the Cuba of the people. And, you know, that was that was very important for the film and... Again, if I can get back to it, and it sounds very pretentious, but to have a truth to the film, you know, um, and hopefully hopefully that's what came across, you know. Um, is there any mistakes that you would see people who want to be cinematographers or DOPs that you see them make kind of early on? Um, any mistakes? I mean, well, look at it, like, if I... If I'm looking at something, I just become very, I'll say disinterested, but I just can't watch anything that isn't going out to try and say something, right? That, Like I, I, I have this mantra that I always say to myself, you know, there's intent. Is there intent in the camera work? You know, is there, does this person want to say something? And it's not necessarily say something profound, but it's, it's saying something in that it's telling the story at that time, you know, for that. For that, and that just might be just keeping the camera steady and just letting it be, you know. Um, uh, you know, that's that's very important to me that I see intent in cameras so that people have thought about it and this is what it is. And then the second thing is consistency so that, you know, a film looks of the film or, you know, whether it be a short or whatever, that there is a, a sense of a style for that film that, you know, that is the way in which they're telling that story for that time and for that film. So I think that's the thing that 
people mistake. Like when I see something, it's like, you know, and I remember Rob saying to me, you know, when I think I was on Viva and um, Rob Walpole from Treasure, he, he was, and he said something to me, stuck with me all of the time. Um, and it was, he was putting me up for Viva. So I, I'd never met Paddy before. And obviously dying for working him. And he, he, he called me and we were talking about somebody else. And I can't remember who it was now. I wouldn't say the name anyway, but I do. I, I genuinely can't remember. But he yeah. said, oh, no, we, would, we wouldn't want him because um, he only wants to shoot a showreel. And I thought, Aha, something really clicked with me there. Like, don't, yeah. shoot, don't shoot your showreel. Shoot, shoot the bloody story. Don't worry about making nice shots. Like, you know. It doesn't, you know, and and fucking all of these interviews that are out there now in the zeitgeist with, you know, coronavirus and all of that, everyone says the same thing. Tell the story, you know, uh, that's what, you know, the likes of Roger Deakins, that's what he just constantly says in every single interview he does, you know, just tell the story. Like, so I think those sort of things, I think when you're going out, and I was guilty of it myself, that you go out and you try and be flashy and you do as much as you can and try this and that and just don't, just let it be. Don't like, show off. Yeah, kind of, you know. Um, and, like, I, I have to do, like, I, I've never had a show reel. It's always been bits of, you know, if somebody needs to see something, I show them bits of bits and pieces of film. But yeah. I have to do a show reel for, for something now coming up. And they've asked me, and I think it's brilliant. It's like, take three minutes, uh, you know, just, we want four or five projects you've worked on. Take three minutes, uncut, continuous, out of those and send them to us. Yeah, I think that's brilliant because yeah. I've and I've been at it for weeks and I'm <laughs> there with a whip. Oh, bad because you might have a good scene, and then you have a bad scene. I was like, ah, <laughs> do you like? So it's very difficult to look at your work and say, take three minutes out of that. That's yeah. you know, that's going to show what you want to say that you do, and in that it brings it back to I'm telling a story with the camera, with the visuals, all of that. Out of context, doing that is very difficult. So that's been for the last couple of weeks. I've been kind of looking at different pieces, and that's why, like, I was chatting to Paddy this morning because you know. Anyway, that's you know. So I think somebody coming up, just try and tell the story and, and not get overawed with it because I think there's an awful lot of there's an awful lot of chatter about about this and that and what I mean by that I guess it's you know technology and that and it moves on so quickly and you know I don't think you need to get bogged down I never have and it hasn't done me any major disservice you know bogged down with technology and yeah you know it's just um just uh, you know I I don't know like I don't feel I'm in a position to offer advice but I guess look at I'm doing sort of stuff that's you know I'm very lucky to be doing so how how did I get those jobs? I think it's just, I don't know. I think it stems back as well to being, you know, I think it's, you know, maybe it, there's, it's communication, personality, and then it's talent, right? And it's getting on well with people. Nobody wants, everybody wants to work with, you know, um, people you get on well with. Like if I'm looking at a trainee or, you know, an assistant or somebody, um, their CV, the first thing I look at is have they got, have they worked with the same people more than once, more than twice? I mean, it's the obvious eight old adage, but you know, every time a director rings me back, that is such a fucking, you know, vote of confidence. 
Yeah, a vote of confidence. I'm just like, I'm so delighted when somebody calls me back. Um, more, so, more so the idea that, okay, they're trusting me with something else now. And it's like, you know, we have this relationship and then we're into it and we can, all of our energy is not going on making up a relationship. It's now going to go on the film, which I think is great. That's what I said kind of initially, that um, it's great to have these relationships. Yeah. Brilliant. I think that's a, a great place to leave it there, Carl. Yeah. Um, thanks well, so much for taking the time. Yeah, look, at, thanks a million. Much appreciated.